Good morning, everyone. That was the last walk up the steps. Um, today is a bittersweet day for me. Um, you might find it more sweet than bitter. That's okay, too. It's been a, a delight to be here, and uh, I appreciated the sense and the, the tenor of that song that we just sang. Um, it kind of makes life with Jesus normal and real and practical and helpful, <clears throat> and I pray that that is a journey that you are on. We're going to talk about the final version of what to do when you lose it, and it's going to be a little bit different today, but before I start, let me pray. Jesus, we would be remiss if we didn't look to you in your word, and I pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would, again, be the interpreter today. You have a way of speaking into our lives that really gets our attention, and I pray that we would be open to that and that we would hear your voice and that we would do what you ask us to do. Thank you um, for being our shepherd, our guide, the one that we follow. Um, and we're grateful for that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Now, after pondering the remainder of the story of the lost son, which is related to the older brother, I decided that rather than talk about him in the story and his many self-centered issues... Uh, that we would be better served if I would take this last opportunity to end on a different note. I decided to leave you with some challenging but encouraging words. And so the big idea this morning is also the title of this message, which is, Someone is Calling, Is Anyone Listening? So if your boss is calling you, and you don't listen, there's some implications that will be unavoidable. If your children are prone to call you and you persistently over time refuse to listen, there will be some form of separation. If you have a financial advisor that wants to give you some really good advice and they're calling you and you ignore them, you do that to your peril. Likewise, if your mechanic, not just the one on the screen in front of you that's screaming at, at you on the car as it blinks, but if you don't listen, you will find nothing of help and all of a lot of discouragement. What about God? God still speaks today, mostly through his word and by his spirit, but undoubtedly he speaks. The question is, are we listening? Are we paying attention enough? Are we turning the noise in our heads off enough, long enough, to actually hear something other than the noise, the white noise around us that we're so comfortable with and we don't even sense it anymore? Even more importantly, are we willing to do what he is asking us to do when he speaks to us? It's one thing to think, God, that's really cool. I think I heard from God today. But God never speaks into our lives without the anticipation of um, working on and playing out what that really means in practice in our spiritual lives. 
So this is about what you can do to not lose it in the first place. What can you do in your journey with Jesus that helps you avoid the pitfalls that are so prevalent in walking with the Lord, the temptations and all those other struggles? I want to do uh, a quick walk through uh, Samuel's backstory. For The prophet Samuel is the focus of our attention today. And I'm just going to walk through, I, I think I've kind of did some quoting from 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I've did some summarizing, and I'm just going to give you what I have because I think it's the simplest way for you to understand this bigger picture before we get to the point. So Elkanah had two wives. I find one is enough, but he had two wives. One of them, Hannah, has no kids, and in fact, she is not able to have children. It's not able. And yearly, Elkanah and his family, including the second wife with her children, went yearly to Shiloh to worship at the tabernacle, which is where the tabernacle was situated in those days. And the priest of the tabernacle's name was Eli, and Eli also had two sons, also serving as priests, and they were not good priests. They were not good people. And it was a bane to their father, Eli's side. Elkanah was extremely kind to, to Hannah, it says in the text, for two reasons. First reason is because he loved her. The second reason is because, I quote, the Lord has closed her womb. And, Eli, and, and Elkanah was one of those guys that he tried to comfort his wife who was barren and by saying something that he thought was good but that wasn't met with very much pleasantry. He tried to encourage his wife by basically saying, there were a few things he said, but one of them was, aren't I enough and all that I give you? And it didn't go over well with his wife. Today we look at this picture in our own real lives and how we handle those kinds of situations, and they're never easy. So they're there, they're in Shiloh, and before they leave home, Hannah prays. Eli the priest is sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple, and she prays. And this is what it says. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all of the days of his life. She's so desperate to remove the stigma and shame of being barren and of not having especially a son that she'd be willing to have a baby if God would so give her a baby and say, I will give him back to you forever as long as I know that I have a son. Sounds really extreme, but this is her world. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. 
Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, Hannah replied. I can imagine the motion as she's speaking. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of, the great, out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. They went home and as the text says, the Lord remembered her. The Lord was gracious to Hannah and in the course of time she conceived and gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel because I asked the Lord of him. Samuel means name of God. The name serves as a continual reminder of God's mercy toward those who call on his name. Every time I read this now, every time I think of this, I think of my new grandbaby, Samuel. I can't wait to have this conversation with Samuel as he grows up. The significance, I'm hoping to have the conversation before his father does, just because. Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 24 to 28. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, and of course this is with the rest of the extended family again, young as he was, and brought, them, brought, brought the, him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. They brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted what I asked of him, so now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. It's like this transaction is happening, and Eli, he just realizes he has to accept this son, this boy, who is just barely weaned, and now he goes under his responsibility. Verse 11 of chapter 1, chapter 1 says, the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. This little boy is right from this ripe young age is being trained into the priesthood. But there's a stark contrast between the evil and wicked of Eli's sons and of the trustworthiness and faithfulness of Samuel. And we're going to look at that later in a bigger picture um, but for now, chapter 2, verse 22 to 25 says that Eli was old and his sons would basically not listen to his advice nor his rebukes. The father is speaking, the sons are not listening. And what comes next for them in the future is definitely not a good thing. Samuel, on the other hand, is faithful. Young as he was, um, he, he was respectful. He was a, a willing participant in journeying with this priest. A few comments are made in verses 18, 21, and 26 of verse 2, or chapter 2. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. That is a very powerful statement. And this one... The boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. It was like he had a stamp, God's stamp of approval on him. He was doing what was right, what was good, what was honoring. 
So all of that to get to this. Chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. God was not speaking to his people for a long, long time until Samuel came along. That line was written in 930 B.C. 175 years later, in 755 B.C., the prophet Amos would speak the words of God, these words of God to Israel in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, Amos says, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine for food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. So this has happened different times, that all of a sudden God would say, I need to speak to my people. Mostly they weren't listening. Mostly they didn't care. If Moses was alive and you asked him, he would say, "Uh uh-huh. They were just a pain in the neck all the way until God literally wiped out every one of of the negative ones in the journey to the promised land. Back to Samuel. This is where paying attention starts. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Listen to that. Samuel was sleeping near the ark of God. My crazy side thinks Indiana Jones would be so jealous. It was the, 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 the sign of, pres- of the presence of the Lord. This, this box with the things that were still in it. Verses 4 and 5. He's sleeping. We assume a good sound sleep, really not pondering the implications like we would of the ark of God. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. A little bit of time passes. Verse 6, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you're calling me. My son, he said, I can hear the exasperation in his voice. I did not call, go back and lie down. Dot, 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 I'm trying to get some sleep here. It's an annoyance. He's not paying attention either. He doesn't sense what's going on. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not know yet who the Lord was. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. I want to repeat that for a reason. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord personally. He knew what Eli knew about God, and he knew a whole lot of other things, but personally, he didn't. The second phrase, the word of the Lord had not been been revealed to him, was prophetically, he didn't know. He knew something of the word, but he never knew the prophetic piece of this, but it was coming. Let's talk for a moment about recognizing the voice of God. Note that Samuel heard God's voice, he just didn't recognize it. It's like that with people sometimes. Um, I was at a funeral this week um, for 
the father of a good friend of mine that I went to Bible college with. And uh, I saw another friend walking in with a, a lady that I thought I knew, but I wasn't sure. Um, I, I totally didn't recognize her until I turned her way to walk down the hallway. And she said, Bill, as if I was walking away from her. And then I recognized who it was. But when I, it wasn't until I heard her voice that I knew who it was. And then I started to pay attention because now I had a connection with someone in this place. Samuel heard God's voice. He just didn't recognize it. First Samuel 3, verse 8, the Lord came, or the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. I'm sure it intrigued him that the Lord wasn't calling him as the priest, but he was calling this boy, this young kid. So Eli told Samuel in verse 9, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It even took Eli a time to realize that God was speaking. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, And I'm pausing there. I want to read you something. Roger Barrier is his name, and he wrote a book called Listening to the Voice of God. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is what he says. He asks a question first. How does a person know whether he or she really heard from God? While God speaks in many ways, he provides an internal spiritual organ known as the human spirit, that when pro properly cultivated is dependable in hearing God speak. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a, about the various ways that God communicates. And there are many. And one of those is that God sometimes act, answers directly in our spirit. The prophet said, I will watch and see what he will say in me. That, that is, God speaks to me by speaking inside of me. And I know what that's like. I have experienced that before. God also speaks to me sometimes in the way that he lays something upon my mind that we are certain that it's the answer that we're looking for. The author also says he can impress something upon our spirits in an unmistakable manner and we find ourselves unable to get away from an impression that is on our mind or heart and we try to rid ourselves of it but it comes back and comes back and this is sometimes also how God answers and I can relate to that. A couple of weeks ago, I was just kind of processing the, the next church that I'm going to and and, and what it could be like and the implications and how we'll approach it and start well and all those kinds of things. And a phrase came into my mind. And I'm not going to tell you what the phrase was. That You'll have to be let down about that. But um, I don't want to say the phrase. Because when I had the phrase in my mind, I thought, you know, that's a really cool line. You ever come up with something and you think that was awesome? I'm going to write that down. I didn't need to write it down. Um, so I'm painting and I'm doing some cutting in and just as I'm stepping down off of my steps, my stepper, um, not only did I have this line and I was so pleased with myself that I like this line, 
as I was stepping down, I literally had this sense inside of me, and, this, and the, 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 the other part was this overwhelming sense of emotion that I need to speak this phrase. It wasn't just for me to hear and to like. It will have something to do with where I'm going next. And it changed everything. And I have not been able to get it out of my mind um, for more than a few minutes without just this, what does this mean? What do you want to do, God? And all that kind of stuff. So I know what it's like when God pokes, when he gets your attention. He did it when I lived in Alberta. I would not be in Ontario if I would, have, uh, if I would not have listened to God. But he constantly poked and poked and poked and used all kinds of circumstances that left me without an excuse of why I could not do what he was asking me to do. And so I left the place that I loved and I came back home and the world is different because of it. Because I believed and listened to how God was speaking into my life. Samuel is laying down, but he is not likely asleep. He'd been told to go back to bed. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Like God showed up in the building, and he's speaking right to Samuel. And of course, Samuel can't see him because you can't see God, but he knew God was there. It was evident. He could hear his voice. However God spoke, he knew it. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am doing, going, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it to tingle. The problem is that Eli's family is wicked. And Eli does little to address the issue. And God warns Eli here about what's coming to his, on his family if they don't repent and turn to God. He just gives this snippet to Samuel. So God spoke, Samuel heard, and he wisely invited God to speak further, which God did. Another author says this, an author I highly respect, A.W. Tozer. He said, the whole Bible supports the idea that it is the nature of God to speak, to communicate his thoughts to others. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and a word is a medium by which thoughts are expressed, and the application of the term to the eternal Son of God leads us to believe that self-expression is inherent in the Godhead, that God is forever seeking to speak himself out to his creation. But are we listening? He continues, it's not just that God spoke, but God is speaking. He is by his nature continuously articulate. He fills the world with his speaking voice. God is here and he is speaking. He continues, he says, many Christians appear to believe that God spoke the Holy Scriptures into being and then lapsed into silence. The fact is that God is not silent and never has been silent, but is speaking to his universe. The written word is effective because and only because the living word is speaking in heaven and the living voice is resounding in the earth. I have seen God so many times use the most extreme circumstances that leave people at their wit's end until they finally, like the prodigal son, come to their senses and realize that, that God has something to do with this. And you might not like it, 
um, but God's using it to get your attention. And God is always trying to get our attention, but again, are we paying attention? Are we listening? I want to read uh, part of chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. And it begins uh, with the Lord when he stood there calling Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin that he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. (laughs) So picture yourself in this picture. God has just talked to you. Eli was expecting God to talk to him. And he's got something that he really doesn't want to tell Eli because it's, it's just not good news. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. That would be a really good line for us to memorize. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as one of the prophets of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel, Samuel's word came to all Israel. Judgment against Eli and his family. But Samuel more and more was respected and regarded in the community in which he lived and served as a prophet. The application is for us this morning, like Samuel, are you and I dedicated to the Lord? Have we committed our life to him? unreservedly like Hannah with Samuel for the rest of your life? Maybe, just maybe, that's what God wants us to process. From the beginning, Samuel heard God's voice. He just didn't recognize it. Maybe that's true of you or me. We just don't recognize God's voice speaking, maybe because we have been so accustomed not to listen. And when God speaks to you, are you prepared to do what God might ask you to do or to say what he might ask you to say like he has to me and it's in the future? I just don't know when or where it will be spoken. Um, But I know that God has this thing that needs to be taken care of. Or when in doubt, when you think that God is present and has your attention, 
never be afraid to and strongly encourage you to use those words of Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And you don't have to worry about anything else. If God wants to talk, God's going to speak into your life somehow. But be it paying attention when he does. It would be tragic if you missed something great that God wanted to do in you and through you. I'm going to hit the pause button there. That's the end of the message. Um, But I want to offer you some parting words. Somebody once asked me, it it would be good for you sometimes if you would um, give them some words of wisdom. And of course, I haven't heard that for a little while. Um, I don't think I have a lot of wisdom, so I won't do that. Uh, But the words that I'm going to speak are biblical wisdom. And they have instructed me over the years as a pastor. They have been like guardrails that keep me on the road in my journey of life with Christ. And there's five of them, and I'm just going to walk through them quickly, and you'll see a snippet of them anyway on the screen. Number one, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on yourself. Sometimes we make too big a deal of who we are and uh, minimize everything that God wants to be. Jesus is the one who perfects your faith. Keep your focus on his teaching, his ways, his grace, his character, his love, his compassion, forgiveness. Put into practice what Jesus taught and how he lived. Number two, stop turning around and looking behind you. Look to the past only if your intention is to reflect on it long enough to be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness to you. But then don't keep looking back. Number three, keep looking ahead where God has plans, where he holds your future and your hope, where Jesus is working and leading and urging you to follow, where the Holy Spirit is pointing and drawing and compelling you to walk in step with him. The fourth one is that always remember and never forget, with God all things are possible, and he alone is able to take what is inconceivable and make it possible, accomplishing his purpose in your midst. And that might be as an individual, might be as a church. Lastly, love one another. None of us know what tomorrow may bring. So love one another. Get over yourselves and love each other. Serve each other. Support each other. Consider yourself, as Paul says, is more important than yourself. Aim at other people, not just looking in the mirror for you. Love one another as you love yourself. Love each other today as if today or every day was your last chance to do so. Love each other as God has loved you. Those are my final words, and I just pray that um, your heart would be continuously open to God's work in your life so that he would be glorified, so that the church would be built up, and that the people that you encounter would just be blessed in knowing you. So God bless you. Thank you.